everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chillin' in the State House. Topeka's favorite, or at least chillest, Kansas government and politics podcast. I am Andrew Ball, one half of the Topeka Capital Journal's State House gang. I am joined by my better half, Jason Tidd. Uh, but you soon are going to be having a much better, better half than me, correct? Yes, I will have an official better half uh because i'll be putting a ring on it i am engaged to be married and that wedding is this saturday which if you are listening to this podcast it will now have been this past saturday june 3rd so by the time you hear this uh jason jason will be legal no more no more uh, sin on your part uh you'll it'll be all good and above board right well, well i'm gonna actually i'm gonna post this thursday morning so it, you can still wish Jason a happy happy yes, wedding. Yes, yes. We, we are happy for your nuptials, Jason. Thank you. Uh, so as long as there's no like tornado tearing through Manhattan this Saturday, uh, all will be well. Though it will take a little bit for the marriage license to get in. Have to uh, wait on the U.S. Postal Service. Mm-hmm. You can write a first-person account of that for the Cap Journal. Yeah, I'll I'll be off in Mexico, not worrying about it. <laughs> much a much better option. Yes, and that voice you hear is John Hanna, the Associated Press. John, oh, no. we we missed you last week. It was strange. You did. It, it, it was was it strange? I did listen to you on the trip, on the drive back from Chicago, where I uh, went to visit my daughter. Uh, she was in a play in Chicago, so I, I saw that. And then Sunday we went into the city and uh, saw a musical called Aztec Human Sacrifice. And it was not very good, is what you said. Well, that was that was the opinion. It, it did not live up to the, uh, the, the title. I will say that the actors and actresses performing were quite winning, but the material let them down. Were you expecting more blood? Well, you know, if you're going to do something called Aztec Human Sacrifice... <laughs> you want a heart pulled out? Yeah, well, actually, they began the show with a plastic heart being pulled up as if it were being pulled out of somebody, and it was the... So maybe you weren't the target audience. You needed to be a middle school boy. Yes. Well, <laughs> the the, the storyline was that um, it is the end of the Aztec millennium, and they're preparing a special sacrifice, the chosen one who has been reared to be the sacrifice, so that the millennium turns over and the sun comes up again. And he decides that's not for him, and he runs off with the emperor's daughter into the desert to escape his fate. And it was it was just not... It did not have that toxic avenger feel to it i'll just put it that way well no thespians can match the drama that plays out every week here in topeka no no they cannot and we have a little bit to chew over and jason and i talked last episode you may recall about the uh, possibility of a lawsuit stemming from the governor's decision to line item veto parts of the education budget. If you need a refresher, uh, the governor decided to uh, take an axe uh, to part of the school finance bill that would have uh, allowed schools to use current year enrollment or enrollment from the most recent year. 
which is a change from current practice that allows school districts to choose from either of the last two years. The upshot, if you are not an, a PhD in school finance, is uh, schools with declining enrollment get hurt. Schools with growing enrollment get helped. And uh, the governor said it would have a, a overly negative impact on those rural school districts. The thought was Republicans immediately were saying the attorney general needs to look into this, that they thought it was unconstitutional. They might still think it's unconstitutional, John, but uh, it doesn't necessarily seem like we're going to be getting a whole lot of column inches about uh, the arguments before the Kansas Supreme Court. No, uh, uh, Ty Masterson, the Senate president, said, you know, they they really she really confined this to one uh, one piece of the bill. Actually, it was a budget line item six pages of language, most of which repeats the existing school funding, the definitions for the school funding statute, the change was in the definition of enrollment. And then in the second to last section, they list all the statute numbers that the of the laws that are going to be repealed. They're numbered in the statute books and they repeat everything and make the change, and then they repealed the old statute, and she struck the one number of the statute that, you know, would be repealed um, so that the state would still have a workable school funding law. Which is generally a good idea. <laughs> yes. On the other hand, um, that is where I think the most, uh, in terms of a technical issue about her doing what she did, of course, a statute number is not a budget line item. It is not an entire section. It is just one number. So, you know, one could see a court case. On the other hand, not doing it would make absolutely no sense and result in the state not having a workable school funding law. But then Dan Hawkins issued a statement, the House Speaker, Republican from Wichita, issued a statement saying, yeah, that we can deal with this issue later and there are more uh, more efficient ways to do that other than a lawsuit. Um, <clears throat> what's interesting is, is that in looking at the numbers, first of all, people need to understand the context. The issue of how declining enrollment districts calculate how much money they get is pretty important because a majority, more than a half, of the 286 school districts in Kansas have declining enrollments. So that's territorially, that's most that that is a lot of the state. The the second issue there is that when you when uh, when you take the Department of Education data and look at what they would have gotten under that version that the Republicans passed and what they are going to get in theory under the version now with the line item vetoes, most districts came out at least a little ahead. There were, I think there were roughly 150 that did a little better or in some case, few cases, much better. There were about 100 that saw no change. It didn't make any difference. And then there were about two dozen that actually lost money. And, and most of those were pretty small losses, but the list included uh, Topeka, USD 501. I think all the Topeka districts actually would have uh, done a bit better under the 
the bill has passed. But the really rural districts, I mean, I think we talked, Jason, a little bit about the the case of Fowler as Jason tries to suppress a sneeze, uh, which would have potentially been forced to uh, dissolve and kind of abandon plans to merge with the neighboring school district. So they were quite happy with the governor's decision and presumably are happy this will not be litigated in court. And and those districts that John mentioned that would do see enrollment numbers rising, I think Republicans had pointed to those as this line item veto hurts them by essentially cutting funding that they would have otherwise received. Well, and and that's that's the interesting thing. I mean, the, the school funding formula, not to get into the... Uh, gory details because the accountant porn the accountant porn yes as as we that, mentioned a that couple is gonna live in infamy yes um is a per the money is distributed basically per student well of course if you have declining enrollment eventually you're going to see your total budget decline the theory being fewer students fewer costs well of course costs don't slide down proportionally to every student if you you know if you have a classroom and you have 22 students and the next year you have 21 students you know you don't you still have the teacher and you may still have the paraprofessional helping the teacher so this has always been a struggle for uh the legislature and how far do you let school districts go back and the argument I think from Republicans is you're allowing these districts with declining enrollments to count students who aren't physically in their in their classrooms and have gone someplace else. And moreover, are actively not counting the students that are there for the bigger districts as yeah. well. And in, in, I mean, the bigger districts I think made the argument in favor of using current year enrollment. They did not argue for getting rid of the two years ago option for districts but their argument basically was when we have more students in the present year we have higher costs in the present year yeah you need more teachers you need to make facility upgrades to accommodate more people you know the the list kind of goes on and on at uh you know it makes well, it makes and, a certain and, degree and of sense. what happens if you're say you're a school district somewhere in that ring of suburban school districts on the very outside of the Kansas City metro area, the state side of the Kansas City metro area. And, you know, let's say the Panasonic plant is getting ready to open and housing has gone up and suddenly you have 150 or 250 new students just by where the housing development goes in. What do you, and if you can't count that, I mean, you're you're a little strapped um, for what for what you're going to do. And if you're wondering why we are talking about the merits of it so much now instead of say when the legislature was in session, it's because nobody really knew that this was going to end up in the education budget that was passed on literally the last day of the session. Yeah, legislators admitted even those from the rural areas this bill would impact. They did not know what was in the bill. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's possible they would have voted the same way anyway. I know I was talking with Senator Brenda Dietrich, a Republican from Topeka, who also was superintendent of Auburn-Washburn School District in Shawnee County. She is pretty savvy when it comes to education policy and uh, having lived it for so long. And she said, you know, I didn't realize how many districts this would have impacted, but 
I still would have voted for it because I think there would have been a way to address this issue aside from uh, having to veto the bill and call a special session, which ultimately the governor did not wind up doing. And with uh, the way conference committees work, she wouldn't have had an option to have even tried to amend it if well, she wanted and, to. And, and right. what, what is interesting to me is um, in the past, and I did not see this this year and the last couple of years, frankly, but in the past, legislators would get these uh printouts from computer runs that would go district by district and tell you exactly how much a district would gain or lose from the proposed changes in the school funding formula. And you would get one of these, they used to call them a run. Legislators would get one of these runs pretty much every time a plan was outlined, it seemed. Um, And so, you know, if you're a legislator with 25 school districts in your, say, Senate district, you could look at the run and see, you know, how many of your districts gained and how many lost. Now, that made it politically more difficult to pass a school funding plan because people were looking, you know, how does this affect my district? But it it seemed like that this was a, a return to maybe an even pre-Jurassic Age time, uh, what, pre, I, I'm trying to, the Mesozoic, Mesozoic, I don't know, I'm, I'm mixing up my eras, but, you Archaeologists know, Archaeologists are going to be writing angry missives. Off yes. The, How yes. could the state's runner-up land fossil not <laughs> know the... Eras. Because I'm from the Jurassic Age, and and you know I I, I mean I I have trouble with previous Precambrian maybe is what I'm thinking. Um, anyway, the point is, in an earlier age before they had their Whopper computer over at the Department of Education that could spit this stuff out, um, you know people had some idea of what it would do and who it would help, but not in so much detail. And so maybe this was a bit of a return to that where, you know, and some of this is the, some of this is the issue with speed. If you're going to do a school funding bill in three days, three legislative days anyway, um, how much time are you going to have to be asking the Department of Education for uh, runs on how it works? Something a lot of public school uh, districts and their allies were raising. Uh, well, and and you know you you mentioned the Fowler School District. The 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 Fowler District still still lost money, but it lost under with the governor's veto. I think it lost about a third of what it was going to lose. It was set to lose what about four hundred thousand dollars. And when you factor, which was in- a of its total budget, if I'm recalling correctly. Yeah, uh, if you factor in local option budget, which we won't you know, need to get into all that, but it would have been actually over half a million. So that, yeah, I mean, that's the, a lot of money. The local option budget, by the way, is the extra the school board, the local school board can raise on top of its state set budget, and it's a percentage of the budget. And we had expected, or at least we were expecting a decision from the attorney general on whether or not he would sue. And Andrew, he hasn't made any public announcements about whether or not he will. And <laughs> your we, clients we, get gold feet. Yeah, um, yeah we, we don't know if it's... 
I guess if state lawmaker before your wedding, I shouldn't mention cult theme when they start <laughs> to hesitate. Uh, we, we, so we don't know if uh, cold feet among state lawmakers is the reason why we haven't heard anything. We don't know if something is in fact in the works. We don't know if it's because there's not enough staffing at the AG's office to carry out a lawsuit if they don't want the optics of fighting for a provision that would cut funding to some rural schools. And if you don't fight now, are you still able to file a lawsuit a year from now if the governor uses line item veto authority on a future school budget and you have to argue in court that, well, it's unconstitutional now. And yeah, it was unconstitutional last time, but we didn't feel like we wanted to fight an unconstitutional That's law. That's probably a question you avoid in your pleadings. Um, I mean, you there would be a lot of questions about, well, why are you suing now as opposed to last year or... You know, and and the and the court cases are on this are kind of interesting. Uh, there's the 1981 case that was referenced in in one of the, I think the last podcast. There was also the 2017 case uh, where the state's largest teachers union sued over a two subject alleged two subject rule violation, and the court said, no, no, no. If you can come up with a broad enough description in the title you know, an act concerning education that works. I mean, you look at Nebraska where lawmakers uh, are in court over their law that um, bans gender-affirming care for minors and restricts abortion at the 12th week of pregnancy. Um, It was basically titled an act uh, for public health and welfare, which is a pretty broad well, my favorite, and I worked in Pennsylvania before coming here, and my, my favorite flagrant violation of the two-subject rule is they put a bill banning local governments from uh, basically passing strict gun control measures into a bill on precious metals, which... Uh, well, guns are made of metal, mostly. I think there was that was somewhat of the line of argument, but it did not pass muster. <laughs> that was an act uh, related to stuff, right? Basically, <laughs> Well, uh, a podcast related to stuff. That, yes. that would be us. We, we do not violate any sing, uh, single subject rule. Because we don't have one. We, yeah, that's true. We are not bound by the same rules. And we log roll our discussions. <laughs> and to prove that we are not bound by any single subject rule, I'm going to switch gears and Jason, Farmer Jason, I think we can call you now. Or maybe I've just watched too much Farmer Wants a Wife. <laughs> Yeah, we we will spare you our rendition of Old MacDonald Had a Farm and our moos and oinks and bah. Old McJason had a story. E-I-E-I-O. Well, and Andrew, uh, you were the one who coined the N-Baff <laughs> uh, because N-Baff had its ribbon cutting uh, late in May. I don't know uh, why I laughed so hard at my own joke. That's kind of embarrassing, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the National Bio and Agro Defense Facility, which has long been talked about. I mean, I was in you know, when, middle when I, school when they were discussing this. When first. I was in college, I had an editing professor who insisted that the word facility was meant only, only to to denote a bathroom. So, yeah, he he's rolling and spinning over. How, how would that professor feel about having the hyphen 
between aggro and defense, but not after bio. Um, I think he would. Uh, I think he would uh, get medieval on the people who came up with the name of this place. Yeah. Well, he's in the uh, Kansas newspaper Hall of Fame, by the way. And so are you. Um, that's not the reason I mentioned it, but now <laughs> is a good time to mention that this is an award-winning podcast. <laughs> We're just going for shameless self-promotion in this. Now, now that seconds. we've patted each other on the back sufficiently, yeah, my arm is out of my arm. I I've thrown my shoulder out of joint there. Um. No, I. You mentioned you were in 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 middle school, and and my, I guess my when all of this started, I'm not sure my daughter was. I think my daughter was still in elementary school when it really all all the talk of this started. Um, I mean, I NBAF has been in the works for more than half of my life. <laughs> okay, well, it's not been in the works for more than half of mine. Yeah. But um, listeners can't see John's face when Jason made that comment. It, it I'm like also what pure horror or younger than your daughter. So, uh. yeah, right around my daughter's age. So, anyway, the point is, it's been a long time. They've been discussing it. You know, the old the old lab was on Plum Island, New York, which was you know obviously an island. And it was an aging facility, and they knew it wasn't going to last forever. And and there was a quite a heated competition. Um, at one point, the folks in Texas were upset that it was coming to Kansas, and were claiming that we had more tornadoes than they do in Texas, and that was a problem. Um, Which. As they were planning NBAF, there was a tornado that hit Manhattan, and yes. they had to. Uh, somewhat redesigned the building to get it up to tornado standards that a nuclear power plant lives up to. So anyway, you toured this this new brand spanking new facility, Jason, and what can you tell us about it without getting arrested on the eve of your wedding? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the fine folks over at NBAF invited local media, and thankfully they considered Topeka local Uh we got, well, you, you did go to K-State. I did go to K-State. And we got a tour of NBAF. We were read off uh, the title number of federal code under which we could be arrested, thrown in jail for 30 days, and fined $10,000 if we recorded, took photos, took video, or even took too detailed of notes on the tour. I mean... Too detailed of notes as in like drawing a diagram of the directions you go. Uh, apparently, national security would be at risk. Uh, but very much appreciated because the federal government tour. hasn't already bugged all of us through our cell phones. For what it's worth, uh, I, to the NSA agents listening. What's up? Hello. I, I. For what it's worth, I did a Tiger cruise when my brother was a naval officer. Uh, I was on the USS Nimitz, even got a few seconds of holding the steering wheel of this, like, $2 billion aircraft carrier. Like, two seconds was enough for me. Well, uh, you didn't and, and crash the, it, so so we're good. And, and going through security for NBAF felt more uh, onerous than getting onto that aircraft carrier. So they excluded, like, people who had, like, metal plates in their legs and stuff? Well, I would not know because I am not Captain Hook. Fair, fair, fair Obligatory enough. Disney reference. Yes. Uh, 
But I I wish more people could have seen what was on the tour. I mean, they, they highlighted a lot of the security and safety features, which you can read more about if you subscribe to the Topeka Capital Journal. Which you should. Mm-hmm. And USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack said that after he went on a tour, he is confident that, uh, I, I forget the direct line of the quote, but basically that no pennies were spared in making sure that uh, this facility was safe. Well, and, you know, that's interesting because back in the day when they were starting about, they were breaking ground and going to construct, there was some commentary in the community about safety issues and, you know, would anything leak out, for example, and, you know, cause widespread cattle die-offs. And, and you know, pretty much everybody involved in the project said, no, it's it's going to be very, very secure. And, of course, now we have this backdrop of, of suspicions about how COVID got started. So. Yeah, lab leak theories of zoonotic diseases in China. Yeah, that... That was not very much talked about, but it's definitely something that you can find in the FAQ page for NBAF. Yeah, what do they say if you ask about that in, in the FAQ page, by the way? Jason? Basically that uh, the theory for COVID is that it was a zoonotic disease, meaning that it jumped from animals to humans. And NBAF, part of its job is going to be researching and preventing future zoonotic disease outbreaks, whether in humans or in animals. Yeah, and the theory is is that these diseases also could be a big threat to the food supply. Yes, a very big threat. And uh, you can read about Pat Roberts, how he was inspired to push for NBAF back in the 90s when he toured a former Soviet secret city and saw warehouses of biological animal diseases and feared that someday they could be used to attack the U.S., so he wanted... And bath to help protect the food supply and the public health here. You are the NBAF expert. How does yeah. that make you feel? Like I wrote a lot of words about NBAF <laughs> and could have written more. Uh, you can also read about how Kansas taxpayers, that's you, uh, presumably if you aren't a Kansas taxpayer, you should be. There's plenty of room here in Kansas for you. Uh, <laughs> you... David Toland, is that you? (laughs) We are both from Iola. Uh, Kansas taxpayers will be getting more than $5.7 million back because NBAF, surprise, surprise, came in under budget. Never mind that hundreds of millions of dollars of tax, state tax money were used to help NBAF out in the first place. Well, and and that was part of the back, you know, back in the day. I mean, it's, it's like a big business project. You put up incentives a package and that's what the state had to do and they had to work on a package and and put it together to help bring the the NBAF here and you know the idea was one of the ideas was that you know this would be part of a developing animal science corridor you could link up the University of Missouri and K-State and kind of run it along I-70 and you know, businesses would spring up. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about the Animal Health Corridor and the benefits it can bring to Northeast Kansas. And for NBAF specifically, it's going to be 400 jobs in the Manhattan community, uh, 
and, already and those have two hundred minimum wage jobs. They, they are they? not. And uh, if you are looking for a house in Manhattan, you should probably get on it because hmm. housing prices will probably spike as they already have been. My my brother recently bought a house in Manhattan. Uh, but they had these jobs uh, up on TVs scrolling across in the visitor center, and they make a lot of money. You also have to go through a lot of training to get one of these jobs, well, which and, you can do uh, through K-State. They have programs set up to be and, trained and I for imagine, I imagine they're also like uh, your your past is fly specked in a security run i mean if you want to be like taking 19 showers a day then uh and bath might be for you i do like a good shower or, or, or as the politicians put it if you are a kansas farm kid and want to help with national security while doing something for kansas farmers and bath might be for you it's a good sales pitch I, one one wonders will will come back in five or ten years and see what programs have sprung up at K State and elsewhere in the region to to train people for NBAF and what else and you know eventually does the Panasonic stuff kind of come together and merge with the NBAF stuff? Topeka's right in the middle, perfect home for this. Oh wait. Hills Pet Nutrition left. You can read about that too at the Topeka <laughs> Capital Journal. Basically, wow. you can read about anything at the Topeka Capital Journal yeah. and uh, and AP. Yeah, and uh, at this NBAF ribbon cutting, I was able to talk briefly with Senator Pat Roberts, who has a neighboring building named after him that does biosecurity research at K State. Uh, talked with him about how he won't be involved in a farm bill for the first time in decades and how former k-state professor barry flinchbaugh won't be either uh, if you want to read about that that story should be up this weekend at guess where to be at, at cjonline.com yes barry barry flinchbaugh was like the guru of ag policy and economics when i gosh when i started he had already attained that status he was um in in terms of a guy who could reel off facts and figures and tell you what would happen if you did something uh he was legendary for that and while i never had the privilege of taking his class i did talk to him for a 2016 presidential primary story uh he had some interesting thoughts on the candidates that you can read about at the k-state collegian <laughs> well Jason, it's about time for you to go get married, isn't it? Yeah, uh, the the countdown is in single digits. Do you do you? My daughter, um, when she got married, the flower arrangements at the church had sunflowers in them. She made sure they had sunflowers in them. Do you have something similar, like a state flower, or no? They're, they're, it's more pastel flowers, though. Our our flower girl is our Chihuahua crumbles, and she will have white flowers on her collar. And 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 how is how is that going to work? Is are you going to strap the rings to her? Crumbles back? will not be carrying the rings. That's probably oh. smart. The the rings probably weigh about as much as she does. <laughs> well, I I would say my my daughter, they uh, they had the son of a friend do it, and he was I think he was not quite two, and um, 
they did not know until the rehearsal that the vibrations of the church organ upset him. And so no. little Jesse had to be, I think they, I, you know, I was in the back, you know, uh, emotionally overwrought. And so, but I believe he had to be carried down the aisle with his teddy bear with the ring box on it. It was very cute. Um, so we're, we're, and you, and you're, you'll be in Mexico sunning, getting sun. I will be in Mexico. I, I did my best not to get sunburned ahead of time. Uh, did not succeed. Got sunburned at my sister's graduation at Baker university. And then again, at a the fine Manhattan Kansas Zoo. college. What's their mascot? The Wildcats. Go cats. So cats yet again. Yes, just Cat Baker just is the wrong very color. well known for its nursing program, right? I believe so. Yeah, I know. I, I my daughter and my, have family friends who they were Baker graduates, nursing and and medical stuff. So, and to get the obligatory Disney reference in, there yes, there will be Disney songs as part of the program. No, it is not a Disney themed wedding. <laughs> You know, I very tasteful. I, I, I remember the first time uh, to continue the Disney reference. Um, I, you know, my daughter was that age that you know uh, was Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, and I remember the first time I saw Little Mermaid, and what got me was the ending where, of course, King Triton has to give his daughter away because she's getting married, and I'm like wow, that's going to be me in 25 years. So, And sure enough. Sure enough, there it was. Well, a very chillin' congratulations to you. Thank you. And we look forward to hearing about how chilling in Mexico went. It'll probably be sunning, but yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll share. You'll come, you'll come back with a big, you'll come back with a suntan? I'd rather it be a suntan than a sunburn. <laughs> well, John, I, we we can probably handle the podcast without Jason. I so think maybe for a week we can get by. It will probably be bereft of Disney references, though. Oh, we'll I'll work at it. Okay, yeah, I'll go we, back and and I I still I still have all the VHS tapes. You guys are probably too young to know what nope, VHS. We, we were. I mean, at least for me, yeah. we we had VHS probably the tail end. Yay, younger millennials. Yeah, I mean, we still, we, we still, we still, I still have them all. Um, and it, uh, an astonishing collection it is. Because you can't get rid of them at this point. No, really, they're, I, I, I'm just, unfortunately, we open them and watch them, so they're not collector's items. You know, like people will buy, like, I don't know, Marvel toys and keep them in the box because then they're collector's items. Yeah, but then, then there's no fun. My, my son-in-law has a, a, quite an impressive collection of Marvel items. And I'm like, you know, you're going to have to keep the door locked to this room because if you have kids, they're going to want to play with this stuff. Well, if you want to read all of Jason's stories that he wrote ahead of his time off, uh, I have a couple, I think, going up, too. There aren't many stories, but they are many words. Uh, they're very good stories I've read. Yeah. That's one of them. What, one on Farm Bill uh, and Bat Roberts and Barry Flinchball, the other on a Chris Kobach natural gas lawsuit uh, update. And Jason, where can they find all that? 
at cjonline.com. And if you are more of a social media kind of person, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at cjonline. And John, where can people find your work? Well, www.apnews.com backslash the hand movement always. Kansas with a capital K. And my Twitter, I'm at APJDHanna, no H on the end. I won't even ask Jason what his Twitter is because he's not going to be on it for a little while. You're not you're not going to tweet your your wedding deals and, you know, sitting on the beach drinking a pina, pina colada. No, I'm not going back to the Twitter of my youth where you tweet. <laughs> I'm. I'm sitting on the beach with a pina colada. Yes. Singing the pina pina colada colada song. Oh, oh, the memories. No, no. Guardians of the Galaxy is a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) Rupert Holmes, by the way, did that song. Does that take you back? Yes. Childhood memories. Teenage memories, actually. I was a teenager when that came out. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Andrew Ball, B-A-H-L. And if you want to listen to back episodes of Chillin' in the State House. And you do. This is number 78, I think. Something like that, yeah. If you started listening to these podcasts as a teenager, you might be uh, an adult by now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You might be able to enjoy a pina colada. Yeah. we are the perfect companion for all of your summer travel needs. You can find us at Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and on cjonline.com. Plus Joe's Crab Shack and, and podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Plus the uh, rickety uh, beachside bar that Jason will be going to in Mexico. You can, you can listen to us there, too. Uh, maybe on the jukebox. I'll find a way. There we go. <laughs> Jason? Andrew? John. Andrew. Jason. A pleasure as always, gentlemen. Yes. Mazel tov to Jason. Mazel tov to you, John. Well, I, I appreciate that. And we, we wish you a, a, a wonderful start to your uh, uh, marriage, you know, and, and I'm sure we'll soon be having, you know, hopefully soon little little kids running around crawling through the office oh, if i bring in my nieces and nephews then maybe <laughs> <laughs> oh you know i used to when my daughter was a toddler i used to bring her to the office sometimes and that was always a lot of fun come back next time for john's story on the uh, stain on the carpet <laughs> maybe my daughter doesn't want me to tell that story <laughs> that'll give folks something to look forward to though indeed well thanks for listening folks we will see you next week same time same place chill as always yep chill chill chill